the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dinesh D'Souza has to be one of the hardest working people in the business and has been for decades. In 1991, I read his book, A Liberal Education. I had just graduated from college, not one of the hoity-toity colleges, universities he talked about in his book, but a public university in central Illinois. So I really had no idea what was happening on campuses across the country, but how prescient was that book? Um, He talked about how the academic world was trying to get rid of the great books and, you know, infiltrate kids' minds about racism and sexism and white supremacy, all this kind of things we're hearing about now. So it's such it's like surreal for me to be in communication with Dinesh D'Souza, but also to have him on the show today. So, Dinesh, welcome. Hey, Julie. Great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Dinesh, you and I have mutual, I wouldn't say friends. I, I know some of them used to be your friends, but the Never Trumpers. And you had just a hilarious, you have a daily podcast now, people should check it out. But you had a hilarious riff on National Review, the day that Rush Limbaugh passed away, a columnist at National Review, really taking down Rush Limbaugh, demeaning him in a way. And so I want you to relay that to, the, to our listeners because it was so spot on. Well, this was a guy named uh, Michael uh, Doherty, Michael Brendan Doherty. It was an article kind of reeking with snobbery and particularly, I thought, inappropriate and offensive because it was published right on the occasion of Russia's death. But the theme of it was, you know, we intellectual conservatives have never really liked Rush Limbaugh. In fact, he's, he pushes us away from the Republican Party. Uh, we like people like the British philosopher Roger Scruton. Uh, and <laughs> this guy Doherty was talking about a, a witticism by Roger Scruton uh, that, uh, that involved, um, involved the philosopher Peter Singer. I mean, highly sort of inside baseball type of stuff. And I'm thinking, you know what's so strange? It's not just that Rush speaks to the common man. It's not just that Rush speaks in a language that, for example, even William F. Buckley never managed, a, a language accessible to most people in the country. But Rush's was also, in a way, smarter. If you, if you focus on, just take the issue of civil rights, which I've written about now for 25 years, the arguments that Rush makes are much more sophisticated and effective than the arguments that National Review ever made. So uh, Rush, for example, says, look, uh, you know, we're talking about all these horrors of slavery and racism and racial terrorism and lynching. Well, the Democratic Party was behind all those things. They were the ones who did it. Don't blame America. Don't even blame the South. Blame the actual political party that was perpetrating these evils. Now, think of how effective that is. Now, compare this with National Review, which if you look at its stances on civil rights over the years, have basically been things like this. Let's go really slow on civil rights because social change should be organic and not sudden. 
well, this is not a winning argument. If something is wrong, you should stop it, you know? Or National Review says, we should be respectful of tradition. Slavery was a tradition. Anti-Semitism is a tradition. There obviously are good and bad traditions. So I kind of go down these National Review arguments, which I'm very familiar with over the years. I've kind of grown up with National Review. And the point I'm trying to make is that even on the issue of intellectual sophistication, Rush has you guys completely beat. (laughs) Isn't it part of these never-Trumpers' contempt for the new base of the Republican Party is that it, they, they agree with Hillary Clinton that a lot of the MAGA types are deplorables. They don't want the working-class folks in the Republican Party. They really look down on them. And so a lot of the pot shots people like Doherty and others were taking at Rush on the establishment right He's sort of a pass through to the millions of really new Republican voters. Uh, We saw this just play out. There's like an eight point uptick in working class voters who identify with the Republican Party. He was just sort of the proxy now for expressing their contempt once again for the Trump deplorables. You know, Julie, I, I agree with you. I think there's a distaste. But I also think that there is a certain kind of weird um, desire on the part of many of these never Trumper types to be a member of a very small club. Many years ago, um, the writer Whitaker Chambers, who used to, you know, used to be a communist and he was kind of moving to the right, but he wrote an essay about why he's not a conservative. And he goes, the reason I'm not a conservative, I don't call myself that, is he goes, he says, to me, a conservative is kind of like you walk into one of these old furniture uh, sales rooms uh, which, which is selling all kinds of old antiques and things. And there's some old guy at the back, you know, and he goes, and you realize everything is really unattractively presented. You don't really feel like buying anything. And he goes, but then you look at the guy and the guy is so disinterested that you realize he doesn't even want to sell. He actually kind of lovingly walks around and plays with these items. But so the whole thing is kind of a, almost a, a, an obsessive, cult in which by and large people want to stay in a small club. They don't really want new members of the club. They pretend like they do, but they're not out recruiting them and they don't really like anyone in there. So it's almost like a lot of these conservatives, like the old National Review where everybody could kind of meet in Peoni's restaurant and there are like 18 people who make inside jokes, you know, and then suddenly all these new people show up and go, what are you people even talking about? You don't make any sense. You know, so I think for them, it's all about this sort of clubbishness and the big, wide, tented Republican Party doesn't suit them all that well. Now, Dinesh, you've known these people for decades. You know, you rolled with not rolled with them, but, you know, the National Review crowd, the old Weekly Standard crowd, the commentary people, all the you know, the think tankers. Where do these people go now? I mean, OK, they can't take pot shots at Trump really anymore. Rush. I guess they they are they can't do anything with Biden. Apparently, he's off limits because they all supported him. So what do they do now? Well, they don't have many places to go, partly because most of them don't have any talent. Now, I, I, I would be <laughs> fair to say that their, their parents did, you know. I mean, yes. if we talked about Bill Crystal on my podcast, you and I did. Now, Irving Crystal and, and Gertrude Himmelfarb had a lot of talent. Irving Crystal was just a beautiful, lyrical writer. Uh, Gertrude Himmelfarb, a well-established, well-respected historian, written a whole bunch of great books on the Victorian age. But now you look at Bill Crystal. I mean, I don't even know if Bill Crystal has written a book. Um, and so this is a guy whose basic day is devoted to, he probably takes half a day to compose a tweet and the other <laughs> half of a day to sit at like the local Morton's restaurant and, and pontificate. Um, and even his pontificating style is essentially one of these things where he takes events, 
that are surprising that, and then he basically pretends like he knew it all along. So if you say to Bill something like 9-11, he goes, well, yeah, you know, the Muslims, you know, they've been doing this stuff since the seventh century, you know. <laughs> it's their shtick. Dinesh, thanks so much. Where can people find your podcast? Well, the podcast is all over the place, but on audio, you can find it on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or even on Google. That's great. Dinesh, thanks so much. Thank you, Julie. Bye-bye. Listen to the podcast of the show at danproftshow.com.